Two Sundays ago, we, <clears throat> we ministered a message that was entitled, The Beginning of the End, the beginning of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem the week before he was crucified. And man, I'm telling you, they were, they were worshiping and they were... They were throwing palm leaves out, and they were giving him the red carpet, man. <clears throat> and then last week, on Easter Sunday, we titled our message, The End of the Beginning. <clears throat> and it looked like that it looked like that it was the end for him. And what all happened in the 12-hour period, we last Friday night we showed the passion of the Christ and it's a very awesome visual of what happened to Jesus in his last 12 hours and um, and so that was the end of the beginning and so today I've entitled this message um, the beginning of forever the beginning of forever <clears throat> and as I was looking, as I was looking through Scripture, and I, I want to start in Luke chapter twenty-four. So I was looking in Scripture in the forty days that Jesus was on the earth after his resurrection. Um, You know, he cooked them breakfast. Um, he came to them and talked to them for a moment and asked them several questions. And then he says, do you got something to eat? I thought that was interesting. But there was one, there, there was one point that I want to focus on today that I think is vital about what he said several times in that 40-day period before he ascended upon high. And so, we'll just, we'll kind of, we'll read a little bit here just to, to kind of get a hold of the picture and, and, and what, you know, what was actually going on. And, and in Luke 24, <clears throat> In verse 1, I'll just read about, I'm going to read these first 12 verses. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them, says Mary and says Mary Magdalene and then, and then another Mary, came to the tomb bringing the, the spices which they had prepared but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, 
the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and the woman with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and he ran to the tomb and stooping down he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. One specific thing that it's always good for you to be reminded of and to remember is that when they went to the grave, he wasn't there. And no matter what history tells and the lies that were told, nobody stole his body and nobody to make it look like that he was not there. But the truth of the matter is that what had been prophesied manifested. And he was not in the grave, he was risen. And no other man has ever done that. And you can be rest assured that God is alive and he is risen from the dead. And anybody that you ever talk to or that you ever come into conversation with that is not a Christian, you don't have to try to influence them and force them to believe that. It's just true. And the truth of the fact that he's not in the grave empowers you to have words of wisdom and understanding that can help change the minds of other people. I can't tell you how many times I've been on airplanes when I've been sitting next to somebody. I mean, you know, that's a captivated audience. They can't get away from you. You know, they can ask, especially when the plane's full and there's no empty seats somewhere else. They can't get away. I don't mean be ugly or rude or, you know. I can't tell you how many times that I've sat next to people that are, that are connected to other religions, that believe in other religions other than Christianity. How many times that all you got to do is, you know, just pull something out. You know, you don't have to pull out a big Bible, you know, and put it up on the, on the little stand. Just pull something out that looks like Christianity. And anymore, I just... I'll have my iPad with me on the airplane, and I'll open it up, and, 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 and I'll start reading the Bible, and I just make sure that the person next to me can see that, so maybe they want to ask me a question about it, but if they don't, then I don't say nothing. I, don't, you, I mean, unless I have this unction or whatever to say something, I don't usually say anything. But most of the time, if you're reading something from the Bible in some way or another, people are going to ask you a question about it, and you know... I'm just one of those guys that if you don't want to know, you shouldn't ask, right? And so once they ask the question, then now there's your captivated audience that can't get away, and you can start telling them things. And the fact is this, when you start talking, you are empowered by the fact that the grave is empty. I've been in Israel, and if the grave that they have found is the actual grave, and they can't say 100% sure, so they don't know, but if it's it, the difference in that grave is there are no body fluids that have stained the rock. There's no body fluids. He wasn't there long enough. 
You understand? He rose again. And when he rose and he was on the earth for 40 days, it was the beginning, like we were back in the Garden of Eden before, man and woman, before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. It's like we were back at the beginning, and it was the beginning of forever. And nothing will ever change the position that we're in now. Nothing. No devil, no demon of hell, no other, any other created thing will separate us from God so loved the world that He gave. Man, and man, people just want that. That's all they want. And I'm telling you, you have all of heaven backing up everything that you say to other people. You don't have to be religious about it. You, you don't have to chase people down. You don't have to hammer them. Just live it because it's backing you up. And in, in, in a moment when you don't think that you have anything to say, in that moment he will give you something to say that you'll step back and think, wow, that was really good. You know, where did I get that from? You don't have to try to be anybody or anything. Just be what he created you to be. And I'm just telling you, man, knowing that the grave is empty and that he is risen is the power to do anything and everything that we were put on this earth to do. Amen? You can hold that place because we're going to come back to Luke in just a second. But go go to Mark 16. In verse 9, this is Mark's account. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they didn't believe. After that, he appeared to another. He, he appeared in another form to two of them, as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. The one point that Jesus came back to instill into them and to remind them of is this. I was watching some show the other night and on the show um, somebody made this comment that I don't believe anything unless I see it. And in every account that we have of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in every account, no, every account but one, he rebuked them because, he, because the rest didn't believe what the one or two told them. He's alive. Oh, it's got, in one translation it says it was like they were listening to like fairy tales. 
He spent three years with them, instilling in them the truth of God's Word to prepare them for when He was gone. We teach the Word here day in and day out, day in and day out. So that when you walk out of the doors of this place, it's not that you got everything that you needed, but you, you got tools and information to be able to go and dig out so that you can begin to be a person that believes that the seeing is in the believing. The world says, show it to me and I'll believe it. Jesus came back for 40 days and for the most part what I can see other than the fact that he cooked them breakfast once and ate something and, you know, and, and encouraged them, he came back and rebuked them because they didn't believe. He rebuked them because they had to see him before they believed it. He said, you're not getting it because, listen, I'm leaving and you've got to believe what you heard me say. And you know what? It's no different today. If you're waiting to see something, to believe it, it's backwards from the way God has set it up. I mean, it's normal in the flow of society that we live in today. That's normal. But it's not normal with the way God intended and created you to live your life. Now go back to Luke. And go to verse... Thirty-six. And as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Notice there's a question there, Right? It's a question that he's asking. He's not, he's not hammering them just in a statement. He's asking them a question. Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, And while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food to eat? It seems like you're not going to believe even after you've seen, so we might as well eat. Sounds like a good Texas man, right? Might as well barbecue. So he gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and he ate in their presence. And he said to them in verse 44, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. These are the words that I spoke to you. Look at Colossians chapter 2.
some odd reason, I don't have an iPad, I don't have a watch, I don't have nothing. <coughs> so help me. Okay. One more hour. Um, <coughs> okay. Colossians 2 and verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses, Paul telling this church here, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's made you alive together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses. Remember these, he just said to them in verse 44 of Luke 24, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses. He said, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to you, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed, disarmed principalities and powers, and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So what he accomplished and what he's saying to them is, You've got to believe that what was spoken and what was prophesied before in the law of Moses has been fulfilled, and now there's nothing against you. There's nothing that the enemy can say. There's nothing that these principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world can say to you, about you, that have any validity anymore. See, the enemy used to be able to go before the throne of God and say, yeah, you know, you're using so-and-so, but man, he's done this, and he's done this, and he's done this, and he's been worthless here, and he made this mistake, and all this kind of thing. And so, all of a sudden, what would happen is people would be disqualified, and that's why there were so many blood sacrifices for the sins of the people. But the blood of Jesus, one time, died for all of us sitting here today. Amen? And there's not anything that the devil can bring against you to try to disqualify you from walking in the anointing and being everything God created you to be. Nothing. It doesn't matter what they are. But our responsibility is casting every one of those thoughts down, those loser thoughts, those thoughts that, that well, you know, if I'd just done this, all thoughts of regret, well, if I'd just been this kind of person way back then, and usually when you see somebody in their youthfulness and you admire that and you wish you could have been that or done that, you stay focused on what someone else is doing or what someone else accomplished, and you, if you would have done that, you could have been this, and, and all these things get stirred up in our mind and it drags people down and it keeps people from fulfilling their destiny and their call. When what we have working on our behalf is an empty grave. Grave's empty, man. It's empty. And now all of heaven, all of heaven backs you up in everything you say and everything you do. Because if we learn what's right in God and then we obey God, all of heaven has already been set up to be released on, on your behalf. Amen. We're joint heirs with Him. We're co-laborers with Christ. When we do our part, his part that he's already accomplished kicks in. That's how valuable that we are in the earth. You say, yeah, but God can do whatever God wants to do. I mean, is there any question to that in here today? I mean, if you know God, 
and he's the creator of the universe, and he doesn't even reason, and he can't lie, and, and there's nothing greater than him, and he created everything on the planet, okay, that's not in question. But what is in question is whether you believe that he created you to be a vital part of things to work out. He's already done his part. So whatever needs to happen in my life from God is waiting on me getting a clue and then learning what righteous living is really about and then learning the benefits of obedience to that righteous living. And however long that takes, that's how long it takes for things to release into your life. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's plain and simple, but that's what the cross produced and that's what he was trying to tell them. He said, if you, if you can't believe things without seeing them, then you're going to live your life, your whole life on the planet. I mean, you know, you, you don't see Jesus saying this, but I'm just bringing in this interpretation because I know it's true. What's going to happen, you're going to live your whole life on the planet, and you're going to go to the grave, and you'll never fulfill your destiny. Even though, you know, you, you did this and that, you did these good works and this was good and all this, but you'll never fulfill your destiny if you have to see things before you believe it. That's, that's what your Savior came to tell the original 12 and 70 and however many that there were, you know, in that time period that were meeting with him. He came to tell them so that they would tell everybody else so they didn't make it. 2,000 plus years later into our lives and that we would be told we have to believe the word without seeing the results so that the results will release. Amen? Hebrews 2 and here's, a, here's another group of people that are a type and shadow of Jesus and what he led how he led all of humanity before he was crucified out of captivity into the blessing and the glory of God. And it says in Hebrews, what did I say? Three. In Hebrews 3, in the last verse. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because they didn't believe they couldn't enter in. Now, who is this? This is the children of Israel coming out of the bondage of Egypt. So, Psalm says, God led them out of Egypt. No matter what you've ever been told, no matter what you've ever been told, you have to base it on Scripture. God led the children of Israel by Moses out of Egypt. He led them out to lead them in. Book of Psalms and in Exodus, it's mentioned several different times. He led them out to lead them into the promise. Well, the promise of God today is not a piece of land for you and I. The promise of God today, the promises of God are yes and amen. It's this right here. If he tells you that the greater one lives in you, if you choose to believe it, then greater things will begin to happen because it's true. And this is the promise. My part is what? To believe. They didn't enter into the promises and what rightfully belonged to them, why? Because they didn't believe. And notice in 4 and verse 2 what it says. Watch this. Because he's talking to us right here. Okay? He's talking to gates of the city in Kerrville, Texas on 
the 7th day of April, 2013, he's talking to, that's what's so amazing about this word. There's no time or distance. Watch. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, watch, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So faith, see, faith is the substance of the thing that you hope for, the evidence of the thing that you don't see yet. So it becomes more real on the inside that what God has promised, He's able to perform, and when it becomes that real, that's where the manifestation comes. But they couldn't enter in because they couldn't believe in something they couldn't see. He even sent the spies out. And you know what God said when he sent the spies out? He said, he told the spies, go and see the land which I've given you. God didn't say, go and see the land and you decide whether you can take it or not. No, he said, go and spy out the land. The, 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 the expedition of going and spying the land out was to go and come back and bring a report about how awesome it was. Oh, and yeah, and we'll take those enemies. They come back, and two of them, man, they're stoked, and let's go now. And the other ten, the other ten were moved by what they saw. Man, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. But what about God? See, the image, the image of themselves was not through the eyes of God. The image of themselves was through the image of who they were. And they saw themselves as this, and the guys in the promised land like this, and there's no way we can do it. Oh, man, and they said, and they even quieted Caleb. You know, don't say that stuff, man. Man, these guys are going to take us out. Why? Because fear gripped their heart because they were moved by what they saw instead of what God said. Go spy out the land that I have given you. And in Hebrews right here, he's saying in verse Six, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter. Why? Because of their disobedience. They didn't enter into what God had promised because they disobeyed. Now, now, here's the good thing. Here's the good thing. Because, see, I can preach that to you, and I can tell you that right now. And what, what happens with most people's minds is you go to where you haven't believed. Right? You start thinking, oh God, you know. Jesus rebuked those guys, and it sounds like pastors rebuking us. So, you know, and I, you know, I didn't believe here, and it didn't happen, and, you know, and so he, I guess he's right. I am no good, you know. No, remember what I talked about at the first? The grave is empty. Now all heaven is backing you up with the ability to let things in the past stay in the past. Remember, kuna matata, right? Hmm? Old things are passed away. Behold, everything is new, right? When? Now. Now. It's, we're empowered now. We're ready now, right? And today, you can make a choice to not be moved by what you see. 
and realize I'm living in the beginning of forever. And the beginning of forever started over 2,000 years ago in that 40-day period, and then on the day that he ascended on high, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and he said, it's finished. It started right then. But in Christ, old things are passed away, and everything's brand new, so it's starting right now today. And all I'm asking you to do today is to purpose today, right now. I am going to live my life, not moved by what I see, but only by what the Word tells me. And I'm going to develop that, and I'm going to work it out. And when I screw up, I'm going to repent for it, and I'm going to turn to God, and I'm going to ask Him to forgive me. And when I do that again and again and again, I'm going to continue to do it until I have it right. Until I have right what He intended me to do. And once you get one thing right, then the next thing you got to work on. So remember, you have for forever to work this out. Not by next Tuesday. I don't know about you, but that's amazing news. For the rest of your life, you can spend your life everywhere you go and whatever you do, when you're sitting on a plane and there's a Muslim guy sitting next to you, or girl, I got to tell you this story. What time is it? 51? Okay. I'm in, I'm in a... I'm in Atlanta Airport, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm flying home from Virginia Beach. I'm in Atlanta, and I'm, we get on this plane, and, and um, we're about ready to take off. And all of a sudden, the pilot says, um, we have a delay. There's a connecting flight coming from someplace, and we've got about a 15-minute delay. 30 minutes later, he gets on and says, there's another 10 or 15-minute delay. <clears throat> and so, and I, I'm... I'm and what I'm going to say right now, if this pertains to you or your nationality or anything, I'm not saying this critically. I'm just telling you this is the way it was. So, in a moment, all of a sudden, and there's a bunch of empty seats in the plane. So, in, in a moment, about 25 um, Middle Eastern people with white turbans on their heads and that kind of thing, board a plane of mostly people from San Antonio. <laughs> and that's about all I'll say. And this was several years back when things were still kind of heated and things with the Middle East and what had happened with 9-11 and those kind of things. I mean, it's just reality. And so seat next to me was open, and this young girl, probably, uh, I don't know, what did I say? She's maybe 16 or something, I think. She sits next to me. She's with this whole crowd. And uh, some guy comes back from first class that was sitting in first class, and he comes back, and he starts telling her something, you know, in, in another language, and, and looking at me, and then telling her, and then looking at me, and then telling her, and looking at me and I'm looking for a box cutter and, you know, and, you know, those kind of things. But it, we're, we're going back and forth, you know. And he's looking at me because, see, your mind tells you all kinds of things. And I, I, had, I had an opinion in the moment, but God had another opinion. 
You see? Because there's no, listen to me, it doesn't matter what you think, how you were raised, or what you think about people with different color skin than yours. I don't care one way or the other. There's only two races of people on the earth, and actually the two races were created to be one. It's those who are saved and those who aren't. It's the only race in the world. But we, listen, don't tell me you don't have prejudice against somebody of a different skin because you were raised somewhere and you have to work it out. And, and in a situation like that, your mind has to work it out and you can only work it out when your heart and an empty grave is telling you something different about that person. You see? And about these, this group of people. Because I'm telling you what, you know, that was going on on the inside of me, but it wasn't going on on the inside of that plane. Huh? And there were a bunch of cowboys with, you know, I don't know what they had hid wherever. And I mean, it was about, I mean, the attitude was things were going to get steamy inside that plane. But I began to pray in the Holy Ghost because I can. I began to pray in the Spirit. And God began to show me. If you let what someone looks like create fear in you, then you'll always be moved by what you see. Always. Always. And then you won't go somewhere because of what you see. See, you can go anywhere on the planet and not be afraid if you're going because God said. You understand? And there's no fear. But if you're moved because of what you heard someone else say and because of what you saw on the TV and then this person, and now everybody's like that person. Well, you know what? There are some people with color skin that I have that have done some really, really bad things. I don't want people judging me based on what ugly people have done, right? So it doesn't matter what color that our skin is. What matters is do we believe the Word of God, right? And... God gives you those life lessons all the time. Everywhere you go, he gives you those lessons and those opportunities to be a blessing and to learn to develop every day how to not be moved by what you see, but be moved by what the Word of God says. Amen? title of my message today is the beginning of forever. And I'm telling you today, you're living in forever right now. You're living. Because you will never die, ever. Because you are a spirit that has a mind, will, and emotions that lives in this earth suit. This is an earth suit. You can't live on planet earth without this suit. But when you leave this suit, you don't cease to exist. Your spirit man, who you are, lives forever. And if you're connected to God because you made a choice to, you live forever with God. You don't, then that's up to him. You know? Bible says you don't live with him, but God is just, and he, there's no unjust situation with anybody on the planet with my God, because he's just. And it's, I'm not the judge, I'm not up, it's not up to me what happens to other people, what's up to me is that I do what he tells me to do, and I let all of heaven back me up in the decisions and the choices and the things that I do and say, amen? And I tell you what, then you make a difference. You don't just try to make a difference. You become the difference because of the anointing of God. Amen? Father, today we thank you for your presence here. Thank you for the anointing on this word. I thank you, Lord, that as your word goes forth, it does not return void, but accomplishes what you set it out to accomplish in the lives of your people today. And Lord, truly, today is the first day of forever. 
Because old things are passed away, and behold, everything is brand new right now. And I thank you, Lord, that the people here today will leave here knowing that they're forgiven. Knowing that you're not holding things against them. That they are forgiven. And when a person knows they're forgiven, they walk in forgiveness. And they forgive others, and they get free, and they press into you. Not away from you, but into you. Not looking for a license to keep doing wrong things, but pressing in to wanting to do what's right. And I believe that and I pray that over every person at the sound of my voice today. And Lord, we give you all of the praise, all the glory today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Amen.